Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, gang. Have you checked out Aussie Strength? It's a company that makes legit workout equipment. And it's a veteran-owned business who are not only controlling the narrative... But controlling the market. These guys put as much passion and effort into their business as they put into their military service. They have rigs, bumper plates, in fact thousands of things on their website for all you fitness fanatics. If you're considering fitting out a home gym or a large-scale industrial type gym, then they've got everything you need. And you just have to check out their website. It's amazing. I'm not joking. I approached these guys to do an advert for them. Truly. I was that impressed by their company. Check out the website, and if you use the code WARRIOR10, that's WARRIOR10, you'll get 10% off your purchase. That's Aussie Strength. Check out their Instagram too. Some uh, great motivational content. Let's get on with the show. This week, I'm talking to Nick Caldwell, former commando and special air service regiment operator. Nick was in my team years ago, and I've always been impressed with his professionalism and his thoughtful approach to everything he does. He's one of the founders of the Mill Gym in Perth, and I think you will agree that their methods are highly effective. They couple motivation with consistent application and underpin everything with the development of resilience. You can't just go and get a membership at the mill either. You have to be worthy of entry. We discuss the army, special forces selection, and the mill gym, amongst other things. And it's a real honor to be able to talk to modern day warriors, SASR and commando operators. But I want to say up front, if you think this is the place where you're going to learn state secrets or particular sensitive things, then you're sorely mistaken. I'll always err on the side of protecting the men and women who serve. Anything I discuss with my guests will already be public knowledge, and even then, what makes the edit will be up to the discretion of myself and the guest. Having said that, this has been my favourite episode record so far. So, settle in, let's have a listen. Welcome to the Warrior You Podcast with your host, Bram Connolly. Join Bram as he uncovers what is to be a modern-day warrior on and off the battlefield, covering such topics as human performance, emotional intelligence, resilience, mental toughness, epigenetics, neuroplasticity, philosophy, and much, much more. Warrior You, it's the performance advantage. And don't forget to check out Mentors for Military Podcast. So I joined, joined the Army in 96 as a reservist. Went to, uh, in uni at the time, I was studying a Bachelor of Arts or a Bachelor of Attendance, as some would say. Then I uh, saw that the commando selection was coming up, so I went down to Sydney, joined, tried to join the command, first commando regiment, and then when they had the first selection of that year, I think it was the first selection of that year, 98, so I did that selection, which was a combined selection. Oh, yeah. And then... I remember that. Then I went to, then I did my Rio with, so basically I did a full-time Rio, I just put a break on uni. And when I got buried, I told uni I wasn't coming back. Right. And I went to four, and then I was in Charlie Company for a while, and then I went to Bravo, and I think you were my first team leader, if I remember rightly. Yep. So yeah. that was Bravo, Bravo Company, and then we then we went to Recon, right? And then yep. Timor. Timor, yep. Yeah, right. Um... And then you came back from Timor, then went on SAS selection, almost. Yeah, so about the same time the unit got re-rolled, uh, which was 2001, the end of 2001. So mm. we basically, we were on the plane coming back from Timor and we were all pretty excited about how the unit was getting re-rolled. Mm. Uh, but I'd already made my decision. In fact, it was probably three out of my, three out of the five guys in my recon patrol had made a decision to do selection, the yeah. next selection. But the way I saw it is that I, was, I had the best of both worlds. So if I didn't pass selection, 
Then I was coming back to an awesome unit with an awesome bunch of guys who I'd spent the last three years with, effectively. Oh, well rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that rolls off the tongue very easily because it's true, mate. Yeah. I, I, loved, I loved every minute of being in Bravo Company. Mm. Mm. Uh, for me, it was like we'd, we'd, uh, the, the, every shoot we did, every range exercise we did, everything we did, you know, we had so many rounds, so much ammo, so mm. much bang that everything we did was just out of control from a, from a young soldier's perspective, especially coming from a reserve unit. So then I knew that, yeah, you know, the SAS was in my head for the last 10 years prior to that, so it was always going to be the goal because 10 years ago there wasn't a full-time commander mm. unit. It was mm. always reserve unit. So when it got re-rolled, it was going, okay, bonus, cool. And then uh, did selection in March 2002 mm. yeah, and then finished Rio in 2002 started end of 2002 mm. yeah i remember because i was i was in perth at the time on the the first of the tactical assault group yeah, stuff right. and you yeah. were coming through having just finished sas and everyone was treating you like a fucking leper <laughs> <laughs> bloody commando yeah, you, got, you guys have changed <laughs> but, changed, but yeah coming back off that selection course and all you guys were there mm. doing your doing your cqb course mm. and whatever other courses there it was just like being back and forth mm. but in perth yeah. So that was great, and it was really good to hang out with guys like you know Rob and all mm. those guys and you guys. All the shit that's being talked about with culture and all this sort of garbage, actually, from my perspective, people don't realise just how many commandos there are or have been over in yeah in the west in the west yeah in Perth and yeah. you know and I quite often say this and you know we can we can edit it out if we don't agree, but um you know a lot of there's there's individuals in all sorts of jobs that make the jobs crap or that or that wreck things for people but as far as far as what i ever saw between the two units they were competitive but it wasn't toxic it wasn't poisonous i in my humble opinion you know yeah just individuals who you who you who i think you get in all walks of life you know yeah mm. it's case by case but it's, it's like everything in life you know the situation is what you make of it mm. you know the unit is what you make of it the view of other units is the what you make of mm. it so i mean the majority of guys that i knew and, and i worked with were in fact probably half of them were ex commandos mm. yeah right. and they had a view which was relatively healthy especially towards the guys that were still in the commandos mm. and and there wasn't any issues with interoperability interoperability between mm. the two units as far as they were concerned if if anything there's a little bit of a lack of leadership from outside the two units i think but anyway that's a whole nother podcast yeah it's well above my pay grade yep same to be honest so what is the thing you remember the most from your sasr selection uh i remember um i remember the guys that i remember most of the guys in my select in my section who pulled out Mm. i obviously remember all the guys in my section who passed Mm. but i remember them because uh at times throughout the first few days of selection they'd be you can hear the conversation they'd have with themselves because they'd verbalise it to you or they'd verbalise it to someone beside you. Mm. And it'd be things like, um, how, how do you reckon we're doing? How do you reckon I'm going? Right. So you're going, you're going good, mate. You're still here. Mm. So if, as long as you're still here, mm. you've got a 50% chance of getting selected. You know mm. what I mean? But then because there is no feedback, in fact, there's no good or bad feedback, it's just like, well, it's then it's all up to your self-talk. Jeez. And so it became very apparent to me throughout that especially through the first selection, the commando selection, and this one, the way you talk to yourself is the key factor whether you're going to keep yourself in the game or not. For life. For life, yeah. So not just selection. Like that's a small, like a small window and an instant when you compare it to the rest of your life. Yeah. But it's a good, a good example of uh, a very focused period of having to ask yourself questions nearly every day. Yeah. And then um, how you reason your way through those questions. But... Mm. I think the main thing for me is I'd made my decision. I didn't give myself an option to say I'm going back to the commandos. Like, it would have been great if I... Yeah, you had an easy fallback. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, I wouldn't say it was easy because I still was. I would still expect that we mm. would be working hard because mm. we still had to prove ourselves. I mean, mm. we, we were the underdog, so to speak. Mm. You know, we were the brand-new unit had yet to prove themselves. And that, and that took quite a couple of years, quite a few years after I did selection for 4 AR at that stage mm. to be given, you know, okay, you guys, here you go, off you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was a maturity. There were, I saw that too because being being qualified on the first selection in '97, I noticed the maturity change about halfway through Timor in 2001. Actually, September 11. Yeah, the unit changed. Yeah, the culture yep. changed. Yep, it became like, oh fuck, we're not mucking around here. Yeah, it's mm. on now. It's yeah. on. Mm. 
Um, and even that, you know, even that whole whole period, it was going to happen. It was going to happen where mm. two commando now, two commando would mm. be a mature warfighting unit mm. uh, because. You know, any tier one unit or any unit as part of Oscanucus, for example, is going to be of a standard where they could plug, plug and play with plug and play else. with the rest of the world. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. of that caliber. Yeah. yeah. Um, did so. So you'd say that SAS, SASR Carter course changed you forever. I uh, certainly changed my life in terms of um, well, your past. Yeah. But your mindset. Yeah. No, I, I think that. Uh, I think. Yeah, for me, I think the thing that really made the difference in my life was the commando selection. Right. Because I'd come from a world where I was mostly a civvy, mm. and now I was trying to think like a, an operator and mm. trying to, looking at all these guys around me, who some of them had, you know, w- most of them had way more experience mm. militarily than I had, mm. uh, especially in a, in a, in a regular unit. Mm. So getting to, getting to understand that mindset and getting to understand the way we behaved and talked and the attitudes and all those sorts of things was was that it was a big steep learning curve for me. Yeah. But once it. once I got through that first once I got through commando selection, it was like okay, well I can I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. I can I can apply uh, as long as I apply this same these same principles in terms of being open minded in terms of understanding that that I'm not top dog. And I'm quite content never to be the top dog. Yeah. As long as I can learn from the top dogs and I can be surrounded by the top dogs, then that to me was was gave me confidence to say, right, what's the next step? Yeah. And and technically for me, the next step in from a from a trade perspective was to become a recon sniper. Mm. And so having been been fortunate enough to um, go into recon snipers in 4 R mm. was like a was a huge goal for me and a huge boost because then we knew that we were we, I was in the platoon with the most experienced soldiers in the unit, in the unit. yeah and I've got to say that, that looking back on that uh, particular you know operation in 2001 albeit it wasn't a special forces operation the the time out in the field there would have prepared you probably more than you knew for the patrol course and you had yeah yeah, we had SAS guys in in the yeah. recon unit too, yeah. and and an SAS guy from New Zealand. from New Zealand yeah. who was, for my money, probably the most professional dude in the in the yeah yeah. I mean, just watching those guys operate, it was a complete. Mm. That was a yeah. new level, mm. entirely new level. You know, yeah. And uh, I mean, and I was from one area, re, you know, like trained in one area as recon, you know, and, yeah. and even I was like looking around going. Oh, this is, yeah. another, this is another cut. They take oh. it to the nth degree and yeah. a lot of things. Like, like, yeah. yeah, even the yeah. most minute, basic mm. um, uh, tasks, mm. like opening a can of yeah, yeah, know, fruit, yeah, was that uh, was a was yeah, a might be a five minute job. Yeah, it was a five minute job which took a lot of skill and a lot of patience. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I wrote a I wrote a chapter in this next book that I'm bringing out. It's um, it's called the inward facing LUP. And it's a it's a it's an analogy, analogy. It's yep. uh, yeah, yep. an analogy for life about. You know the fact that you should be looking in to, yeah. to look out. Yeah, yeah. the um, old, old self reflection. Yeah, and yeah. so um, you know SASR selection. Then you move on. You start in the reinforcement cycle. Is it still called yeah. reinforcement cycle yeah. for SASR? Yeah. And um, what did you find the most challenging? Um, you know, course or skill to to pick up. What was the thing that you you found? Even someone like you. Would you find her? Oh, I wouldn't say, it. but there's, there's a lot of crossover. You know, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we do. There's a lot of crossover. Um, I think it's in terms of intensity, the CQB course mm. is a is a high intensity course. Uh, yeah, I mean it's exacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they it's just really a day in day out. They expect perfect. But mm. but the thing is, I think that I think the main thing for you know, how you approach all of that stuff is that if you love what you do, then it's it's hard, mm. but it's not harder, mm. so to speak. So. Uh, you know, you, you if you are if you've got the right mindset towards any of it, you're going to enjoy it as well as embrace mm. and take the most out of it. So when so in terms of what was the hardest thing, I'd say from intensity's perspective, uh, the CQB was probably the hardest, and, and probably the CT snipers course was probably <laughs> in the the most exacting in terms of pass fail rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found. Yeah, we had a. Maybe a seventy percent attrition rate. Yep. I mean, my, my course was run by guys you know because because I, I did the course here in Perth. Yep. Yeah. The thing that I found with the CT sniping course was 
just how much pressure you'd put on yourself day in day out to be able because every single thing you do is being assessed yeah and it's tough yeah yeah i mean down to they're going to lay behind your weapon and look at look look through the the chamber and down through the barrel to make yeah. sure you've got muzzle clearance yeah. that you don't even get to have a shot yeah you know like yeah. a bit of failure yeah like you said this then it's the amount of pressure you put on yourself that makes us the hardest like they'll give you the parameters and you've got to work within the parameters mm. and that parameters are set for everyone so how you deal with those parameters is will can mean the difference between passing and failing because mm. if you put more pressure on yourself than the next person and you compl- you, you tend to complicate something that can be essentially simple if you looked at it objectively yeah. from a different perspective so I think that once again it comes back to the way you talk to yourself about mm. the about the whole thing. It's all growth, right? It's all growth, hundred yeah. percent. I think maybe maybe the secret to life. I think I'm, I've only learnt this in recent years. Maybe it's a secret to my life. Maybe it's everyone's. Is self development pure and simple? If you're not developing yourself, then you're just going to stagnate and you're just a, a robot or a yeah. sheep or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. So I mean, the the, the going think, into a course like. The Carter course with that mindset of this is self development is probably not a bad way to go. Well, it's the ultimate self development course mm. when you really yeah, look at it. You know, you, you, in fact, the army in, in general for me was a very huge self development learning curve. Mm. Mm. And I think, you know, starting a gym based on those principles was a logical mm. step. You mm. know, even though we branched out from the gym doing other things as well, it all comes back to that um, foundation. That, that, yeah, that foundation of. A life of physicality, a life of using the physical hardship to mm. develop your mental and spiritual resilience, to develop your social mm. um, skills, to develop every aspect discipline. of yourself. The discipline, you know, yeah. and it comes down to that that discipline. It's all um, based around in discipline. You must remember one of the stalks out at Bindoon. Surely something comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, there's so many stalks. It's <laughs> almost like we were stalking all the time. You can't explain that it, to civilians, can you? That yeah, you get up, you might do six of these a day. Yep. for two weeks yep. and someone's you're in a, a, a yowie suit in the heat trying to get busted yeah. yeah and someone's walking around with a radio yep. and someone's with binoculars looking for you it's pretty cool yeah it's, it's a kid's it's, awesome. it's a kid's dream really <laughs> isn't it big boys that's the, that's the army yeah so it's a it's the ultimate job for a guy yeah yeah for what, sure what um how many tours of afghanistan did you do i did in fact i didn't even do one sotg Really? I didn't do one SOTG. So there's a, there's a story behind that. But I did a number of, uh, um, what, would you, what, do you, what do you guys call it? PSDs. PSDs, yeah. yeah. So I did a number of PSDs going in and out. But I was... But you did Iraq. I did Iraq, yeah. I yeah. did Iraq 2003. I did Timor twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't actually... If I was going to say there's no regrets, but if I was to say there's one regret, it'd mm. be not doing one SOTG. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty... But in the early days, it was like um, the Wild West. Yeah. It was yeah, tough. Yeah, so here. <laughs> it was, so you know, yeah. cruising around and cut down, you know, Land Rovers and yeah. getting the shit out of shot out Max. of you. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was the real deal. And I know, you know, we'd hear Taliban saying that they were enjoying the... <laughs> yeah. Just as much. It was like, bloody hell, it's just the... Why can't we just all get along? <laughs> we'll go and do paintball. Um, no, but seriously, though, the... You know, it's hard to pin down an SAS guy and talk about uh, operational stuff if you're not Mark Donaldson, I guess, who's got a profile and, and been given the all clear to talk about certain things. Um, but, you know, without, you know, you know, no names, no pack drills, but gunfights and, and what that feels like and, you know, what you've, what you've had to endure, was there anything there that was particularly hairy that you went through? Uh, you, don't, you don't think about it at the time, so... Uh, you know, you, you've, you've got, you think you have an understanding of what it's like to be in contact. And I, and I know you've covered this with other guys uh, in other podcasts as well. People think I'm crazy that haven't been there when I go, it's the most unbelievable experience. It's just it's the, it's the so moment, exciting. Yeah, it's the moment that I have felt the most alive. Yeah. yeah and you look back at that, regardless of what you're doing, you know, having, now I've left the army, now I've got a family, and that's like the most rewarding thing mm. for this stage of my life. Mm. But you'll never beat that point when you're mm. in contact. It's a weird feeling, and you'll yeah you'll you'll never it, you can't describe it. The re- uh, the release of of chemicals in the body and yep. the anticipation it's completely different than anything, isn't it? If you haven't felt it, knowing yeah. that you're going to be I mean there must be other jobs that are similar. Knowing you're about to you may be about to be really badly hurt or you're going to hurt someone. Yeah, I I, I, mm. I couldn't imagine. I could maybe maybe an MMA fighter. I don't know. 
but mm. you, you are truly maybe if you hear Paul Kale talk about that though he says look you know these are these MMA fighters you know they're professional athletes but and, they're, and they're fighting fair yeah you know, there's rules there's rules you know, there's, there's, yeah, but there's no it's, life on the line so yeah, you're not going in there to kill the guy yeah I mean it's, it's the I mean, you're it's going the in there thinking you are but you've still got a set structure and left and right of art yeah. you can operate yeah, you can only go so far whereas we're like you know, yeah, it's we're going to kill you, yeah. or you're going to kill us. You know. It's that it's the ultimate heightened mm. state. Mm, yeah, like you yeah. can you can reach reach a heightened state where people they talk about the flow and you can get in your flow and all these sorts of things. But every single chemical, every single uh, is it a spiritual thing? Well, I mean, it makes you it makes you it sets, resets your frame of reference. Of course it does. So if I survive that and I can exert my will over others mm. and come out the mm. other side. Mm. Uh, and I can do it with mm. uh, my mates, and mm. I can make sh- ensure my mates come out the other side. Then that that is spiritually a tool that you can always refer to that says, "Well, I've been through harder. Mm. I've been through tougher. You know, mm. I've, I've done this and I've done that. And anything I do from now on to this point forward will ne- not likely touch the sides in terms of what that was like." In terms well, of I have a new I have a new safety bail over my violence, if that makes any sense, because. If, if I look at someone, if say we're, say we're out in, in a situation where someone s- suddenly deserves to be beaten, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have a safety bail over that. It's like, I can't intervene here or it's a whole new... Yeah. Because that person doesn't understand the extent I'll take this. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And you um, only really get that, I think, from being in, being in a contact where you, know, you, you, you have released that safety catch release that bail yeah. I will kill this person if yeah it is it is all on it is definitely yeah. on there's yeah. no there's no other there's nothing in and I think it's this. made me more compassionate to be fair yeah okay I well know. I mean I, I always said when I left the army I wasn't going to be a contractor mm. because that life that I led in the army where we were we were expected to do what we were trained to do mm. under the understanding that was for the good of the nation and for me there was no other way to serve in that capacity other than being in the army yeah you know so right it's a legal a legal framework for you to be able to be like uh, that to me it's not not just not 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 necessarily just a legal framework but also not constricted to being a moral framework it was just that thing that we Mm. as professional soldiers as professional warriors Mm. we are expected to take life and put our lives at risk Mm. under the understanding that we're doing it for the good of our country and it was a direct uh, it was a direct directive from our hierarchy, which yeah. is our PM, for yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. So understanding that, you know, if I was going to risk my life now with a family in the in the frame, it would be under those conditions where I could give it, give all hard, you know, wholeheartedly to the to the process. Yeah. Uh, so if I was anything less than that, well, I'll do something else. Yeah. And and you know, I see what you're saying. I've, I've done something else. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about the mill, but first I've got one final army question for you. And I'd be of weak moral courage not to ask you this. Here we go. So you're a commando. I was, yeah. yeah. And also an SASR operator, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be on operations with both units. Which unit, right, you ready, is closest to Sydney? <laughs> Yeah, all the commanders are definitely close to Sydney, but you've watched, oh, you watch how you edit that. Oh, look at you did there. You knew. <laughs> watch how you You weren't that. just going to say the commandos. Okay, you got me. I had to me. say it really quickly after that. You got me. Um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I mean, people have to understand that there's lots of us that have friends across both units, and I think that's a really important thing to understand. Um, and I think that the media, you know, I mean, people are seeing it. People, Things get blown out of proportion or they get misconstrued by... You know, journalists who've got their own agenda, but they're yeah. not, they're not per, perhaps reporting what's actually happening. Man, this, this, this. Some somehow there's this understanding that we're all you know meatheads and we're all got mm. our tribe and that's mm. it. They're just a tribe or nothing. Mm. But you've got a bunch of guys there who go into a job for a greater cause mm. rather than just being part of a tribe. You mm. know, and and the tribe that tribal. I don't like the term tribe, but mm. that mm, mentality is um, is beneficial yeah. to us making sure that surviving yeah surviving and yeah. then and effectively meeting the needs of the country for me dan dan pronk probably represents the best of both the units in some ways you know he's because he's loved by both yeah, he represents himself well and he represented himself mm. well whilst he was serving in both units yep. and he never showed fear or favor towards yep. either yep. Um, and also a couple of there's a there's another guy who comes to mind who i think is a probably a brigadier now but anyway um 
Righto, let's talk about the mill. Here we are, we're, we're sitting inside the mill and it is, um, I can just tell how brutal it is <laughs> by the fact that there's chalk marks everywhere and lots of, uh, lots of chin-up bars, um, Concept2 rowers and all sorts of good stuff. Um, look, I think it's such an amazing business. There's been some, obviously some really great minds who've sat around and thought deeply about. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Making special forces training techniques accessible to the average person. Um, how come they brought you in? <laughs> yeah, funny question. I wasn't sure where I was going with that. But, you know... I uh, I was I was actually going to, I was actually planning on leaving the army and becoming a builder, moving back to Queensland, becoming a builder, because um, I'd I'd had a interest I interview more of my mates. I did not know that <laughs> I had an interest in property, and you know through through oh, yeah. two commando mates, yeah, yeah, two of my yeah. commando mates, we'd we'd been buying and selling properties for a number of years prior to me leaving the army, and so to me that was going to be the natural progression. In fact, one of those who we both know very well is is uh, doing his own thing in that space. Mm. And still, still contributing to the to the commando cause. Mm. Um, so that that was where I was intending to go. But then I met my wife in Perth. All bets off. All bets are off. Mm. So you know, then we just go, okay, where where do we want to live? Mm. Is now not you know, it's a group decision. And then I was asked to buy that same soldier that you said in our recon mm. um, platoon mm. in uh, in the commandos. Uh, he asked me. He'd gone and trained at Jim Jones, and he said to me, um, "Look, I'm planning on putting a gym together. Mm. You interested in becoming an investor?" Mm. And I said, "Yeah, no worries. I'll, I'll be I'll be keen on that." And he asked four other guys at the same time, and, and they, we were all operators. Uh, Joe, at that stage, had been the only one who'd left, mm. and uh, he was he had done some military contracting, and he'd went and trained with Jim Jones, and that inspired him to say, "Oh, well, we can do this in Australia." Yeah, so. At that, at that point, there was nothing like that here. In mm. fact, CrossFit was still making, you know, still, still uh, a, a couple of gyms at mm. best mm. Uh, in in uh, Sydney. In fact, mm. so and I didn't know I didn't know anything about Which CrossFit. Again, was Commandos? Which yeah, was forces. Commandos? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're still going now. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know that that uh, I'll give him a plug. CrossFit FX. Yeah, Mick he's Shaw. done. He's done. He's well. done well. Yeah, and Steve Willis was part of that. Yeah, and, and Steve and is doing very well as well. Uh, another another couple of guys who were good friends of ours too. Yeah. So that, that, that whole, that whole mm. to me, it was like out of left field for me. Like, okay, no worries, you'll be keen to And it's training shipping. we've been doing in the Army for years. It is. It's the same shit. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Rebranded. It, is, it has been branded well. Yeah, it has. Uh, they, what they've done is taken this, taken a mishmash of techniques, put them into uh, a system, and then they've added some stuff in it, which is you know, very applicable mm. in terms of, well, who are the best at what they do? Mm. Who's moving the most weights? who's doing the most um, reps in terms of gymnastics capabilities, those mm. sorts of things. And when you look at the Olympic weightlifters and the gymnasts, you go, well, why don't we take the best out of what they mm. do and put it into a sport? Yeah. And they hence the CrossFit. Yeah. But for us, we knew that we never wanted to be techni- as technically proficient as that. Mm. For us, the focus was the job, not the sport. Yeah. So we had to have a training system which suited the job, which was the carryover stuff, for a long period of time mm. and then have to fight with that stuff mm. and then potentially have to carry that stuff out and one of our mates yeah and then get to an extraction point which may be at 2,000 feet elevation or something S- like that similar to what military athlete has done in the yeah. states yeah although it's a lot more for my money it's a lot more um focused on mental toughness and resilience which we'll yep. talk about in a minute yep. as opposed to military athlete yeah i mean that all these all these because military athlete was around when we started yeah. in fact we look, we took a we had a look at all these guys mainly in America and what they were doing. Oh, we're so far behind in Australia, like Sealfit. Yeah, well, Sealfit was definitely around back then as well. Mm. I think they, were, they, once again, were also starting. So this was 2000, this was late 2007, mm. early 2008. Mm. Uh, and Mark Twight was you know, starting as well, but you know, he, he'd made an impact in that space in terms of, in terms of the alternate um, underground subculture of CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. and, and that's where... Uh, that's where we took most of our inspiration because 
my understanding at the time from what I interpreted what he was putting out was that it was not about the sport mm. of fitness it mm. was about what fitness did to enable you yeah. for whatever you did in your life yeah so if we were spending time working on a technical movement and not focusing on the skill of our craft mm. then it was taking away from our craft so Got to it. speak so our 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 ethos that we had was one of the ethos was the primacy of operational capability yeah. so to us that dictated that everything we do must contribute to our operational capability right. now uh, I'll use a Olympic weightlifting snatch for example it's a very technical movement uh, and you can get a lot of the benefits out of the snatch from the clean mm. and maybe the kettlebell snatch mm. now some would yeah. argue that the clean and the kettlebell snatch is just as technical as the barbell snatch yeah but i would argue that it's not mm. uh, and if we can get the benefits out of those two movements and not just the snatch well we'll leave the snatch behind because in my 10 years in the military i've never had to snatch anything mm. but i've had to clean many things yeah yeah so or i'd had to put many things on my shoulders god thank you you've just given me a reason to stop snatching because <laughs> so, my, my bloody flexibility does not allow for that shit. yeah well i mean it, and it, you it's good from a flexibility perspective mm. and the posture oh, yeah, the hours, the yeah, hours the hours spent doing yeah. romward just yeah. to be able to do yeah. a, a max weight yep yeah. you know yeah. snatch is ridiculous yeah. but for me for an aging athlete yeah you well know, i mean if you and also if you don't know how to set your shoulder to look after your shoulder right from the start you I'm go like, straight to working man, snatches I'm like you I'm all shoulders it's, <laughs> it's all I can lift a lot of shit with my shoulders so I make up for the fact that I can't squat yeah, yeah. but well, no no you're right everyone's yeah. got their strengths and weaknesses but yeah. I mean but that, that's the way we saw it we saw that you know I, I'm better off doing you know heavy sandbag cleans mm. than do a barbell clean mm. but that we assess the barbell clean here as a as a uh, as a benchmark to getting in here mm because it demonstrates to us your ability to simulate information, your ability to yeah. replicate something you've you, been taught. You put something out a while ago. I don't know if it was to me directly or to other people. It was a couple of years ago about um, what you should be able to do for body weight. Yeah. And I remember going, looking at the numbers going, easy. Yeah. And then I went and tried to do it. I was like, holy shit, I am underdone. I'm undercooked in some of these areas. Yeah. And, you know, like... What, what, what was I at the time? 85 kilograms, 140 kilogram bench press. Yeah, no dramas at all. I can do that. And then, but then it was things like that, that I could do because that's all I trained to do. Yeah. Then it was things like squat. Was it two and a half times your own? Oh, so the dead, deadlift would be twice times body weight. The, yeah. the squat would be 1.7, 5 to 1.75 yeah. times body weight. Yeah. I mean, doing all those in one hour yeah it demonstrates your capacity yeah it's tough in your strength yeah Yeah. and not necessarily would do it i mean you might test it that way but Mm. you wouldn't train it that way Mm. Um, but it just gives us indicators like they're indicators to us that you're ready to go to the next level Mm. so to speak but Mm. um, there are many steps prior to getting a double body weight Mm. deadlift that Mm. we need to see prior to attempting a double body deadlift Mm. same for the cleaner body weight to 1.25 times body weight clean there's many steps you need to go through before you get to that stage um so the that, and that whole process is part of what this is about it's not mm. necessarily the numbers because you look at those numbers in isolation it's achieving achieving something for body weight to be able to then apply that to your craft yeah yeah so mm. if we get those numbers why go any heavier mm. why do we need to why would you need to deadlift more than twice body weight mm. if you can't run a 2.4 in under nine minutes jeez yeah you know, oh i mean you know when you're doing trying when you're attempting selection yeah you know, so oh but uh, but for me I don't know if I'm on the right track or not, but for me, it's like I, I always want to be in condition where I can attempt selection. Yeah. Like when I used to hear guys saying, oh, I can walk the 2.4 now or walk the 5K or whatever it is, I'd be like... Well, technically you can. Dude. <laughs> but who'd want to? I, I, wanna, I'm, I, was, I remember being in my like late 30s as a platoon commander, so I'm showing my hand here, as a platoon commander with guys in their 20s, and I'd be like, if I can't beat you all, and something's wrong and I would try or if I can't get a 2.4 time that an 18 year old can get as an A pass then I'm not fit enough for this job yeah you know so that would be my driving force you know that, 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 and that's that's a worthy goal and it's definitely achievable by a 45 year old age yeah it's yeah. bullshit all this yeah. bloody people people age because they want to well no, maybe they want to age they age because they let themselves well it's an out as well yeah. you know yeah it's an out for me like not got, putting mm. in the effort you know mm. so it's but so it's by, by default, it's, you shouldn't use it. Do you teach handstand walking? No. No. Once again, another skill. You've never you've uh, never broken contact from an enemy no, doing no, a handstand walk? No, never. 
What the hell is wrong with you? What are they doing over in SAS? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you guys are doing, but... (laughs) And that's that's the premise, you know. And mm. I, I, so there's things from CrossFit you just cut out and you go, look, there's just no real world application. Application for us. Yeah, functional know? fitness is great. But, yeah. I know. mean, in the, where's the the function in that is that if I've got a it's twice a cool body skill. weight deadlift, yeah, it's a cool skill. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good, not party trick, but it's something that you can demonstrate you've got a capability in, in another and, aspect. And do you know what I think CrossFitters love about that? And we're talk, you know, talking specifically about the handstand walk is it, it is a gymnastic movement that you, the average person can't just walk up to a mat and roll onto their hands, flick themselves in the air and start walking for 25 meters. So it, it becomes a progression thing and the progression is part of the journey for them and it keeps people interested and, and I'm sure that's why yes, yes. The, the, the SEAL founder you know, probably included that. But, but things like, for me, a ring and a bar muscle up, for me, that's, that shit's legit. Yeah, because I've I've had to I've had to muscle up into the side of a helicopter. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, like I've or, fallen out of yeah. the helicopter and had to do that. Yeah, well, even into a zod, yeah. you know, with your gear on. Yeah, the side of a, a side of an inflatable. I was, I was strapped. I was strapped in, obviously. Yeah, okay. Well, that helps. Doing my you AS, doing my AS, arms. I was doing my ASOs. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was an air safety officer, and I and I was looking. I was looking over the edge, and then it was my turn to go out, and I went out, and then I was still on the headset. Oh, my whole career's full of fuck ups <laughs> like this and I was still on the headset and hanging hanging from the bottom you of can the, edit this out that's fine I probably won't <laughs> I don't care if you know this shit and then um, and then the loadies let the bloody fast rope go yeah and I'm like um, still here yeah. <laughs> get back in so you disappeared from view from there man that guy yeah, yeah that guy got that guy got the surprise of his life when he looked back and I was now sitting in the in the seat yeah he'd seen me go out I might edit this shit out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Anyway, we won't go down that path. Um, yeah. So, how many how many members you got here? A uh, hundred. Yeah. yeah so we cool. cap it at a hundred. Yeah. yeah right. So, so you need to you need to apply if you want to come to the mill. You can't just rock up here and get a membership. Yeah. Yeah. We did uh, our last so last quarter we had uh, 11, 11 people attempt our um, initiation process, mm. and we had four get through. Mm. So that that for us is about standard. So we're we're working at a fifteen percent turnover every year. Mm. Uh, to keep our numbers at 100, mm. so uh, which is great for us. You know, it's it's basically, you know, the, what's the, the what's the ratio, the accepted ratio out there? 150. You only really get to know 150 people in your life. Is that right? Really well, something like that. I have to I have to reference for you later. But mm. um, if we've got 100 members, it makes it a lot easier for me I know to you, keep track of where everyone is. I know you are the product of the seven people you hang around the most. You are well. That, that, and there's that as well. So the idea is for us to get 100 people. Mm to hang around, 99 others to hang around the most. And, mm. you know, this is my social group now. This yeah. is my, this is my um, social environment. These, mm. are the, these are my mates. You know, my, our first member that worked in, walked into our gym 10 years ago, um, I was the best man at his wedding two years ago. Mm. So the, the uh, relationships and the, and the um, friendships that we have in this place is what, better than we anticipated it would be as when this was in its embryonic stages. How fit are they? They're all fit. Yeah. yeah. They're all fit and hardy. Mm. So they're all tough uh, mentally and physically mm. because that's the way we gear the training. Mm. It's never been any other way. Uh, for us, it's always been, it's been that, it's been, it's like back when you get off the bus at selection and there's a whole bunch of people there you've never met before, but you look like, you think you are the smallest person in the room. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, maybe I got on the wrong bus to mm. get here in the first place. Mm. Uh, and then at the end of that process, 10% of them are left. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is get those 10% into this gym around us. And we've got everyone from company CEOs to, you know, big business to, to global businesses to um, gardeners, mm. you know, they're, they're housewives, mm. you know. They all and have, they're legit. They are I know, legit. I know they're yeah. legit because I know a couple of them yeah. who reached out on Instagram and said, oh, you should come to the mill and do a training session. Yeah, and right. I looked at their profile and I was like, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. At yeah. this stage of my fitness, I'll come back in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, we have, the, and we have the, those people that, of those eleven who did not finish the mm. or did not pass the process. Mm. We give them a path, so it's not like mm. okay, see you later. It's yeah. like right, this is our standard. We're only assessing you by our standard because this is the standard that we have seen is the most uh, applicable to the worst case scenario we can imagine, i.e., war, ambushing mm. war. Uh, in order for you to fight your way out of that position, then this is where we, these are the fundamentals you need to have. Mm. We'll test the mental aspects as we go along, mm. but at least physically, here's the bar. You're testing them or building them? 
We are both. Both. Yeah. So there's new skills in there which we need them to learn, mm. and then we we give them a problem, and the problem is a whole bunch of exercises using the techniques that we've taught them. Mm. We've taught them. Sorry. In the time frames that we've allocated mm. to the pro, to the schedule that we've stipulated, mm. and then we say go. Mm. And so what they have to do is solve that problem, knowing I've only got a limited amount of energy. I've got to do all these things, and I've got to perform my best I can in each stage of this. I've got rest. I've got to use my rest appropriately. For in the rest, I've got to set up for the next stage. All this we're assessing. So we're also assessing whether you have the ability to come in and train with a room full of 20 other people going 100 miles an hour and be safe. Mm. Now, if there's weight overhead, that you're not going to drop it willy-nilly, mm. uh, that you're going, to, you know, you're going to be able to conduct yourself knowing that there's people training around you, not getting in their way. So situational awareness. Situational awareness mm. and sense of urgency. Mm. You know? And mm. so if you can apply both of those, then we know that you can come in at a time like now mm. and train on your own because mm. members are allowed to come in and train on their own. Mm. And we don't have to be here and we will not find you a bleeding pulp from mm. you dropping something on your head because cool. you didn't know the technique. So yeah. it's a twofold, You're threefold. selling this to me, Nick. You're selling it to me. <laughs> I'm only down the road. <laughs> Mate, you know where we are now. But it's got, a, got to pass your bloody selection first. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. You're, you're, we, get, we get old boys in here. Yeah. And, Hang and, on. And I'm not saying you're an old boy. I'm <laughs> saying this is how, this is this is the level because I'm, the, you know, we're the same, same ilk. But the, 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 once you've been there and done it, mm. what we're trying to do is replicate that environment. So if you've already been there and done it, mm. you're, you're, you're in. You've done it. Because you know, you're, you're the example you set in this place is what we're after. Right. Question. Yep. How do you make someone mentally tougher? Because you, you're an expert at this, so... Well, I, I mean, I'm still learning. I mean, we spent 10 years learning. In fact, if you really look at it, I've been teaching myself for 20 years mm. and now trying to take all those lessons from 10 years, 12 years in the army yeah. and the last 10 years of this place mm. and trying to, you know, trying to find the right way. Mm. And when you get people of different stages on that, I like to think it's a continuum, mm. of different stages on that continuum, you have to be able to identify where they're at and then because it's a process of progressive overload. Mm. Hands down... Uh, the first port of call is progressive overload, mm. which is to give them a little bit, let them recover from it, then give them a little bit more, mm. then let them recover from it. It's the same thing for building physical resilience mm. and strength. If you understand where they're at, then you can give them the right dose so you're not going to burn them out, and two, you're not going to turn them away, and, they f- and then they think this is too hard, this process mm. is too hard. So you have to be able to see what it is they need and where they're at, mm. and then apply the right point of the continuum to them so that they can ask the right questions at the right time for where they are in terms of development mm. and I think that's more than anything the best the, the, uh, the key aspect of trying to help someone develop resilience is getting them to ask the right questions mm. because if they ask the right questions at the right point then it shows that they're ready for that for the next lesson it's an emotional situation yeah so resilience you, is all about emotion yeah and controlling, controlling emotion yeah so if you can put them in that point where they're they, they're they're going, oh, why am I doing this? This is mm. too hard, blah, 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 blah. There, that, that is where we need them. That's the learning. That's the learning. Mm. So getting to there is just a, is, is a, physical, is a physical challenge. Mm. But then once you're in that point, then hold them in that point. Mm. But don't hold them too long because you'll burn them out. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a reason why we have camps of varying duration. Mm. Uh, it's a reason why we have different types of camps and workshops as well. Can you, uh, can you give us a are – you, are you able to – to give us a quick outline of what a camp involves? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll use the Carter Camp. Like yeah. Carter Camp is our is the is the gold standard for us in mm-hmm. terms of a resilience development. But And this is all you know, just so people know, this is all ex special air service regiment, commandos, special operations guys. And divers, yeah. Divers Clearance who divers, are yeah. who are basically applying everything they've learned to civilians, yep. for use of a better term, and putting them through, you know, arguably almost a replicable environment and experience yeah for 30 yeah. 36 hours for 36 yeah. hours which yeah. is as opposed to which is still days. long enough <laughs> yeah well, yeah definitely i mean we and we, we it's our goal to make sure and that 21 days isn't you know that 21 days on the carter course isn't you know asked the ground the whole time it is, i mean it, it isn't it isn't yeah you know? you're, you're asking different stages at every mm. uh, you're asking different questions at different stages right. but what we want to do is cover as many of those questions that you ask yourself within the 36 hour period Tough. and that that's mm. been our 
that's been our, our driver for the Carter camp from the start. Mm. Uh, it's been like, well, that whole process that we went through, and if you went through two Rios, Commando and SAS, you're basically trying to compress that. You're you know, a subject matter expert. Three-year period. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to compress that three-year period, <clears throat> yeah. plus the operations, plus everything you've done on training and that you know, training experience and that tra- experience as a trainer in the Army as well as outside the Army and mm. trying to find, you know, you know, distill the best aspects of that and then put it into a process. So now, shocker capture when they get there? Shocker capture, so straight away. Culture is completely different to the culture that they are used to and it's completely different in most cases to what they anticipated or expected. Mm. So if we can immediately get them out of their comfort zone, then it compresses our time frame mm. greatly. You know, mm. It enables us to free up more time to do stuff that we need to, mm. that we need to hit. And we're not going to hit the whole three years. We're not going to hit the whole 10 years of SF experience in 36 mm. But what we're going to do is be able to give them the, the ability to find out, uh, firstly understand what is resilience, mm. then understand is what's the next level in terms of my capability and in terms of what is high-functioning resilience, for example. Mm. Well, we like to term it as high-functioning resilience. And then how do I truly know what resilience is and what, what high-functioning resilience is and what my next level is mm. unless I experience it? Yeah. So then when we put them in that place and okay, this is how you should be thinking, this is what you should be doing, this is you know, mistakes you've made, okay, the next evolution, make sure you put all those lessons into practice, we'll give you a new problem. The next evolution, okay, take all those lessons, put them in the practice, now you've got a new problem. Mm. And that's, that's basically all our camps, but the Carter especially because it's 36 hours of relentless. So it's individual focused group activities? Yes, yeah. yeah. So we like to call it self-leadership. Mm. Um, because it's how, once again, how you conduct yourself and how you treat yourself and then how you treat others secondary. So we like to see that you can not only survive this, you know, the definition of resilience is to return back to your state, your normal state. You know? mm. So what we want to see is that you can not only survive this because that's survival, that's, that's mm. resilience to us, but you can also dominate in this space. Mm. You can also look outwards and go, okay, I'm good. What about the next guy? Can someone get through by being a grey man? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they can be a grey man. Everyone, what we, we want to encourage everyone to get through it mm. because the reason well, why... Well, maybe, maybe explain the grey man principle because people don't understand maybe if they're not from our sort of backgrounds. Well, I think the, the, the way I see it and the easiest way for me to explain it is that you look at the Carter camp for us and the instructors there, and we're talking about probably 50 years of SF experience only, not just the, the mm. whole army, you know, you're looking at guys who look like the average Joe. Mm. You know, they don't stand out. You've got these, you've got a lot of big dudes there in the units and you've got a lot of operators who look like mm. true operators. Then you've got the average guy who just looks like me. Mm. You know, five foot ten, um, 85 kilos, you know, nothing special. Ruggedly from, handsome. Well, okay, right, I'll go with that. say we look I'll quite similar. I'm just, roll, I'm just going to roll with that for the moment. <laughs> I'm still rolling with that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if, if, if we look at that, then you go, well, that's typical mm. of... The units don't necessarily want someone who stands out. Mm. Now, in order for us to do our job in some of the op- areas that we operate, standing out is you, know a, you want to blend in is a detriment. Yeah, yeah. it's a detriment to us. Mm. You know? so so if we can one uh, identify those people during the yep and identify the the guys that understand contribution mm. within that space mm. and understand what the meaning of meaningful contribution is within that space. Mm then leading through contribution almost yeah well mm. if, you, if you can one if you've got yourself to a point where okay it's like the old um air mask in an aircraft mm. you know you know i'll get myself get myself oxygen then i'll give it to my kids mm. that's that's the instruction and that's mm. legit like go through that you know there's mm. no other way you can help someone else out until you've got your own o2 mm. mm. so it's the same thing for us if we come into an environment where okay i'm good i'm set now how can i help Mm. my fellow operator or some other agency that we're working mm. with who doesn't necessarily have the experience in the bush that Rather we have. Rather than just sit there looking around waiting yeah. for everyone to come up to your standard. Yeah. 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 So, so the, the grey man is not the guy who necessarily needs to be at the front of the pack and it doesn't necessarily need to be the guy who's the loudest mm. or the, you know, the, the most, the physically the most um, intimidating and sometimes that helps. But we need the guy that can operate across in many different theatres, across many different mm. jobs within the spectrum of our skill sets. And the camps sell out, don't they? They do. Yeah. yeah. And you've got guys and girls go on them and, and just dominate them. Guys and girls, yeah. We have, we have, and particularly those who want to do selection. Yeah. They, we have uh, at least a third to a half of every camp of individuals who, 
haven't necessarily got into the army system or the military system. They just want to see, can I do that? Mm. Is, it, is it worth my time stopping what I'm doing, my job, mm. and giving that Getting a go? A taste for it. Here's a 36-hour period for me to see if I, I've got at least the uh, foundations of yeah. taking that step. And I've got people around me who can guide me who've been there and they can give me a black and white, yes or no, or yes, you can, but you should do this, or no, you can need to, but you can do this, you can get there. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really water it down under false pretenses for people because no they could make a life decision based on yep. that camp and no then way. come back to you and go, hey, fucker, you bloody... Yeah, yeah. so we have to... Put... We didn't get any cupcakes. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Well, your course was different from mine. No, yeah. it wasn't. Every single one, yeah. we have to make that little bit more... Uh, definitive in terms of what we are trying to articulate to the to the participants in terms yeah. of what the outcomes will be so mm. they can get a, a no-holes-barred, down-and-dirty, realistic understanding of where they're at. Surely people don't select off, though. They just finish it, right? Yeah, we have people pull off. Really? Yeah. Our job is to make this the hardest thing we can... We, our job is to make this as realistic as possible for the outcome that they want right? in terms of their long-term outcomes. But also, in order for us to get them there, we need to put them in that spot and then hold them in that spot. And that's tough. And that's tough. So, so if a civilian comes in and does this, do they have to be part of the mill to start with? Do they no. have to be really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, can I say then that they would? This would be a brand new frame of reference for them. Yeah. Every time. Moving forward. In fact, we like to think every six hours we're resetting a frame of reference. From. Yes. And so, what's some of the feedback you've had from people who've done it? In their, uh, in their civilian occupation. Well, the last one we've had was, um, well, the last camp we had was um, about a month ago, mm. and the feedback is, well, one of the feedback is, this is the best self-development course I've ever done in my life. Well, wow. it's only thirty-six hours mm. uh, because we don't. The key is we don't baby them through it, mm. but you, 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 our, our whole understanding of how we got to where we are mm. in terms of the whole SF process. Was what made we, what who is what made us who we are, mm. and is what made us as confident in our abilities yeah. as we could ever be. And so you've mapped that basically, and then yeah. provided that roadmap for them on this course yeah. because we spent so much time within that new frame reference, which is getting redefined. Surely repeatedly. people don't come back and do another one. We've had multiple bullshit. Multiple. Why yeah. would you put yourself multiple. through that? Yeah. In fact, uh, we've I think the most anyone's ever done is four. Really? Yeah. What a lightweight. <laughs> I mean, hey, yeah, let's, I'll let's, do the, let's do the let's do the maths here. Oh, he's done, he's done half a card, of course. Yeah, yeah, literally. Jesus. Yeah, um, and he's not even anticipating doing selection. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good yeah. on him. Tim, it's that just that. Okay, I did okay in the last one. How much better I can I, I know do? who that is? Um, so there's a Bali camp too, right? Yeah. Like every year. Every year. Uh, and I looked at that today and almost had the credit card out and then you walked in for coffee and I was like, yeah, God saved. <laughs> Do yourself a favour. Beasted, beasted by <laughs> Nick. Jump on, beasted jump by on. Nick for four days in Bali. It, it's, a, it's a... I mean, we make the workouts hard. We've, yeah. we've got to make the workouts hard. It's um, a strength and conditioning camp, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, cool. it's work, rest, work, rest. Yeah, So awesome. we, when we rest, we just kick back. There's everything that, that the resort has to offer, massages, whatever else, mm. yoga, everything else. Mm. But the training sessions are we run a we run a, a workout in the morning mm. and it's about two hours. And then we run a work a short workout in the afternoon as well as a, a lifting technique clinic, basically. Mm. Okay. So egg and bacon rolls? Uh, it's your choice. You're not really getting the full experience if you're not. <laughs> no, it's your choice, they're on the menu. So okay. you can you can order them if you want. Um, yeah, right. So what else do you guys do here at the mill? Navigation stuff and we offer what people demand what people mm. ask for so mm. it's very rare that we'll put something out there that somebody hasn't already asked for mm. and usually we measure the interest in it before we announce that we're going to mm. do it surprising how many people can't navigate yeah it's it is surprising but that's because of the world we come from yeah, yeah. and i suppose people who are approaching you for that are, are probably considering selection anyway there might be reservists or yeah well, when we looked at it, the majority of people who have approached us have been endurance runners Oh, and, okay. and, and ultra endurance um, adventure races. All oh, right, so I could get into that as an, as an aspect that I don't need to train for the navigation side of it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Very, very mastered something. Yeah, I mean, if you're used to running a course, mm. then all of a sudden you have been given nav points where you never touched yeah. the compass before, never really given a map where you have to navigate through. Mm. 
Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of those ultra durance. They use MGRS or lat long. Well, lat long, but it depends on the map they've got. So okay. some some have been given some MGRS, some have got lat long. Yeah. Mm. So we teach both, mm. look at both. Um, but it's it's becoming more and more prevalent because of these these 190k or you know 100 miles all these mm. all these races where you it does pique my interest. I've yeah. got to say, yeah, mm. yeah, more well, from the mental standpoint. It's than a, I think. yeah, to me, it, it'd be a. Yeah, probably one of those points where you are mm. in that in that place that we spoke about, mm. where you have to ask these questions of yourself. Yeah, and there's no quick and easy get out. And 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 it wouldn't surprise people that that piques my interest when, you know, Bravo Two Zero was the catalyst for me joining the military. So I see like, yep. let's get a huge pack and a whole heap of water jerrys and yep. go for as long as we can. Yeah, well, for me it was mm. the Commando with only Schwarzenegger and then Bravo Two Zero. Bravo Two Zero sealed the deal. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, and then there's self-defense too, right? Yeah, we run self-defense, but we run... And that s- shit is legit. Like, I've seen them. I know who the people are running it. Yep. And, we, and there's some guys there who've got some runs on the board and don't talk about it. For us, it's it's a it's an empowering as well as a resilience development tool. Right. Because that confidence that you have currently what it takes to defend yourself... The combat mindset. Yeah. It's hard to teach 100%. people that. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, I'm not a great fighter. But, you, but, but but I'll be the hardest person you've ever tried to fucking kill. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, and that's that's the that's the having confidence yeah. in that way of talking to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's also the, the cues Principles. that tell you you yeah. need to be aware. Yeah. And and how unaware we are on a daily basis. Oh my god, Pat Pat Mac, uh, USSF guy. I don't know if you've seen him on Instagram. Yep. He talks about the 45 degree angle when you've got your head down looking at your phone. Yep. And and he demonstrates how people can basically kill you very yep. fast. Yep. Um, he teaches through Instagram, you know, situational awareness on a, you know, as you're walking around the street. Now they're, they're able to openly carry. Yeah. We should be, anyway. Yeah, another conversation. That's a whole another conversation that SF guys shouldn't have because we're all <laughs> pro-gun. Um, well, or, or are we? Yeah, the Americans, you know, they're able to do that. And, and he's able to teach people that situational awareness and being able to have a combat mindset just in the street. You know, you walk into a, you know, you walk, we take it for granted. You walk into a, um, you know, Seven Eleven or a bank or something over there. You've got to be looking at those people there and going, right, this is how I'm going to approach this if it goes down. Yeah, it's a different society over there. People don't understand that in Australia. Yeah. It's violent. Well, I mean, would you hear in Australia, kids are getting hit by trains mm. because they're not attentive to what's going on around them. Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a absolute tragedy. Mm. Um, but it's also a, a reality of where we are. You know, we see. Um, uh, People falling down manholes Jesus. because they're on their phones. The next, the next um, gold rush of businesses, I think, is going to be time management and situational awareness, because people spend too long on their screens, you know, and they don't allocate time for it. So they're not managing their time properly, and they don't have any awareness of what's going on around them. And I think people are going through life, not seeing stuff. Yeah. I bet there's people who don't even know how flat the water is out there today. Yeah. Yeah, then they, they might drive past up and down this yeah. past this gym all the yeah. time. Too yeah. busy on their too busy on their phones while they're driving. Yeah, yeah. or thinking about something else. But I mean, that that the self defence package is designed to, to is mm. a way for us to that relate combat. that information and and say, well, how does the combat mindset where where is the negatives to it? If you mm. went through your life like that, then mm. you'd be able to take more notice of the ocean. Yeah. You might be able to take more notice of what people are saying to you, what what you know, what your family's mm. doing, all those sorts of things, because you're you're assessing your situation when you're presented with it. Yeah. And you don't have to be like all anxious about it. You don't have to be like hyper vigilant about mm. it. You just have to go, okay, cool, check, 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 done, next. Mm. For me, discipline is is freedom. Yep. You know, and combat mindset is not necessarily about being violent, but it's about being able to control that aggression. And that could be in anything. Could be just in the way you're going to cross the street. You're controlling controlling your speed, your tempo, your situational awareness. You're getting across the yep. street, you know, um, successfully. Or it could be that you've walked into something that you didn't, you know, want to walk into, and you're outgunned, outnumbered, and now you're fighting for your life. Yeah, that's the that's the other extreme, you know. But, but I mean, guys like you and I probably have a different fight flight response too. I'd say, which is something we've got to manage ourselves, but. Uh, it was a big issue actually for me for a while. Oh, it is yeah. 100% for yeah. me. Yeah. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm a little dog. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. But it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get yourself in trouble with that. You can. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know that all too well. In fact, I also know a few guys who have, mm. you know, just being able to temper that mm. um, is, is a skill. It's mm. another skill. Mm. 
because you are conditioned to a certain way for a certain time mm-hmm. and then it's it's um oh, i think there's a market for teaching xsf guys controlled um flight or or just leaving and not because it's not really flight for them anymore because they will just stand and deliver it's like there's a there's a time when you've got to break contact in a controlled manner because a you're going to hurt someone or b you're going to get really hurt yeah, but just to be discerning in terms of when to participate in that mm-hmm. situation. It's hard to, just hard to explain to people that that flight response doesn't really exist once you've been trained to a certain level. Well, you, you look at the anti-counter-ambush drill. Mm-hmm. What's the immediate action to turn mm-hmm. and fight? Turn and fight. Yeah, you out. don't think about mm-hmm. it. You just All aggression comes mm-hmm. to bear and you use every bit of tool, every tool at your disposal. And dudes can be dropping just, around you and you're still yeah, fighting. Yeah, you still got to fight. So mm-hmm. to, to have even that... When you're pulling, even when you're dragging someone out. Yeah, you're to, fighting to have that look at Mark Donaldson like look yeah, at that story yeah under that worst case scenario it's just mm. occurred ambush in a in a, in a, in a he said he is, said he was in a hole have you heard this yeah I have he said yeah. he was in a hole thinking to himself it's, I'm done and then he just made that decision like I'm going to fight yeah and the problem is that's that's that all comes back to our training and CQB training especially when you think about CQB training you, you're cruising through a stronghold presenting a target to an enemy like you're putting yourself in harm's way to save yeah. life for the hostages. And they, they're probably already set up in the room. Yeah, and yeah. you're and you're like, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. So you, we 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 turn that flight response off. And I think the good thing about teaching civilians this stuff is, you know, here's the extreme. We don't want you to go to this extreme. But there's a time when you might need to have controlled aggression. You might there might be no other choice, and you need a combat mindset because if you if you if you don't, you've lost already. Yeah. If you're not controlling the head and neck of the enemy. You've lost. But I, th- I think also more, just as importantly, the illustrating to them that this is what they are capable of. Mm. Yeah, illustrating to them that this is what guys of this level of training have achieved mm. and we have two arms and two legs and a head like you. Mm. you know, and it's only through that process that we've been subjected mm. to that we could see the other side of where you potentially cannot see yet. It's good to be on the receiving end of someone who is well trained, especially in BJJ, from a... Um, you know, even if you start on your knees and, and you wrestle that guy, girl, and you and you find out what someone is capable of doing, and I'm yeah. talking that, I'm talking purple, but I'm not even yeah. talking that good. Oh, I mean blue belts. Most blue belts will clean up most. Oh, they're going to arm white the shit out of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can understand that, you're probably less likely to look at someone the same way later. Yeah, yeah. You know, although yeah. The, the 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 60 kilogram overweight guy wearing the tap out shirt with his, um, you know. In his rugby shorts, you still be. Oh, I put it to you. I'm going <laughs> to win that. <laughs> I'd still be wary. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, the the the, the amount of information out there in terms there's a lot of, of tap out shirts getting around though. A couple of years ago, well, they were doing now ten years ago. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too many lately. But yeah, I mean that, that wrong whole suburbs, Nick. That, yeah, maybe wrong suburbs. <laughs> Here we go. Show them where I live. But the 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 ability to illustrate to someone what they are capable of, mm. I think for us is the one of the one of the underpinning mm. principles of what why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. Uh, because so many people operating at a fraction of what their true capacity is, not knowing the other side, not knowing that they can contribute more to themselves in their own life as mm. well as those around them by being able to contribute more to themselves mm. in their own life. Mm. That whole process for us is the key driver, I think. Uh, if we're if we're not working to enable someone to enhance themselves in the understanding that they have more to give mm. and the reasons why you should be fighting for more to give, mm. uh, then uh, we're, we might as well just become a gym. Mm. Yeah, and, and yeah I, I like it. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, a, I'm not a gym guy. I don't like training for the sake of it. There mm. needs to be a, a, a greater cause. Mm. And uh, I think we've hit it with, uh, with the mill mm. and everything else that's come from the mill has been a product of that, that, uh, that, that operating mm. um, Operating system that so resource. Just in closing, mate, if if someone wants to be better than what they were yesterday, from your experiences, what's the one thing they need to work on? Or what's the one skill they need to achieve to be a better version of themselves? One skill is observance. So mm. if you are more self aware mm. as well as situationally aware, as well as aware of what's going on around mm. in the in the people around you, especially mm. those that matter to you. Mm-hmm. then you'll be able to see what needs to be done within yourself mm-hmm. and what needs to be done to help those around you. Man, that's a lot more complex answer than I expected. <laughs> because it is, because observation is such a... 
Absolutely. Like you're talking about linguistics, you're talking about psychology, you're talking the, about yep. physics yep. of the world. The way we treat ourselves and the way we conduct ourselves. Mm. And, and, I, and I look at it from a perspective of a child. If we encounter someone who comes to this gym and says, like, what's the environment that I should be aiming for? Because mm. it's all about environment. If you don't have the right environment, you're going to find it very hard to make a positive change. Mm. What's the key thing I need to be looking for in my environment? Well, I say to them, well, if you had a kid, if you have a kid, then it's easier. Mm. But if you don't have a kid, if you did have a kid, what's the environment that you would like for them to be raised in? Mm. Because that's the environment you've got to subject yourself to. Mm. If you're not in that environment right now, mm. stop. Mm. Change that environment, then go to the next step. Mm. The only way you'll know that is to tune into yourself and what's going on around you and mm. be observant. If we can get that skill of observance, then the self-reflection, the self-awareness, the awareness of actually what needs to be done and also what is important and what is truthful, then we know we can get a better idea where to start. I'm going to put you on the spot now because it just came to me. Would you be interested in maybe a couple of of your SAS mates, maybe a couple of my commando mates? I'm not putting a challenge out to you. Two men enter, one man leaves. Um, (laughs) No, I thought maybe we sit around, have a few beers and talk about how to train our kids to be resilient and how to stop them from being bullied i think that'd be something that people would probably want to hear yeah because we've yep. learned that yep. we, we know how to we know how to we know how to tackle that and i don't think many people understand how to tackle that yeah well i mean yeah you, you, you do have to be careful but yeah i mean uh, there, there is a i think we have we i think we've got a lot to contribute in that space yeah i think we do it's very topical as it's well. topical and i've got two boys nine and six at the moment at time of I know you've got kids. What we bring to the party that other people don't is how to build resilient kids because that's what you need to be to not be bullied. You don't need to be bigger, faster, stronger. You don't need to hit harder. Although my kids do hit particularly hard. Yeah, that's good. I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, cool. We'll see if people if people are keen to hear us talk about that. We'll, we'll set a date. Sweet. All right, man. Hey, Nick. Thanks very much. The Mill. Um, where can people find you? Uh, TheMillGym.com. Yeah, easy. very easy. I've got Resilience101, which is my uh, tag. It also uh, on... Uh, Instagram mm. and uh, the Mill Gym has an Instagram tag as well. All right, and we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Hey, gang, if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give us a five star review. It makes a huge difference to us being noticed out there. If you'd like to support the podcast, please contribute on the Patreon page as www.patreon.com forward slash warrior you. There's different tiers of membership and some exclusive rewards in return. I promise you will love the perks. Go to patreon.com forward slash warrior you for more details. Next week on the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.